The Public News Service Doe Newscast, July the 8th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. The reality of affordable housing is changing in New York and across the nation. Advocates for renters' rights say it's time for an update. For years, affordable housing has been defined by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development as 30% of a person's gross income, including utilities. But the combination of higher prices, recent inflation, and stagnant wages has been eroding this formula. Teresa Watson, housing justice organizer for the nonprofit Push Buffalo, thinks the definition is lacking because it doesn't account for people with different sources of income. When we're talking about seniors, folks on fixed incomes, or people who get SSI, SSI checks come in at about $900 a month. That means if you're paying $300 in rent, which is almost impossible unless you've managed to like win the Section 8 lottery, you're still supposed to live off of $600. According to the National Low Income Housing Coalition, 963,000 renter households, that's about 28% of renters in New York are considered extremely low income. The coalition also estimates there's a deficit of more than 615,000 available homes in the state for low-income renters. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. North Dakota's pending trigger ban on abortions is being called unconstitutional in a new lawsuit. Separately, a handful of citizens will see rallies this weekend as organizers hope to channel their frustration into civic engagement. The suit, filed on behalf of the state's lone abortion clinic, seeks to block enforcement of the ban put in play by the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. On July 28th, most abortions will be outlawed in North Dakota. Jenna Farley is with the regional ACLU, which is not part of the suit. She says the rallies and other efforts show that opponents of restrictions are not giving up without a fight. It's going to be in the courts. It's going to be at our legislature. It's going to be at the ballot box. Rallies will be held tomorrow morning in Bismarck and Minot and in the evening in Fargo. With elections near, Farley hopes attendees feel encouraged to reach out to legislators. Political experts say issues such as partisan gerrymandering have led to decisions unpopular with the public like the end of Roe. Meanwhile, the state attorney general says he's reviewing the lawsuit. I'm Mike Moen. And from CNN and across the pond, Boris Johnson's turbulent tenure as Britain's prime minister came to an end Thursday after an historic party revolt over a series of ethics scandals forced him to step down. CNN notes it took the resignation of nearly 60 members of the government, almost half the payroll, for Johnson to finally abandon his attempts to cling to power. This is PNS. Environmental groups are celebrating the scrapping of plans for the proposed bulldog mine in eastern Illinois. Indiana-based Sunrise Coal was issued a permit for the mine in 2019. The permit was only valid for three years and recently expired. The Illinois Department of Natural Resources rescinded the company's permission to move forward on the project after Sunrise failed to break ground on the mine. Suzanne Smith with the advocacy group Stand Up to Coal says it's a win for Illinois environmentalists and nearby communities in Vermilion County. The termination of the permit is everything we've been fighting for and it's a great victory for clean water, clean air and for our healthier communities nearby. The mine would have occupied nearly 400 acres and the Vermilion County first reports it would have created about 300 permanent jobs in the region. While Governor J.B. Pritzker has made transitioning to clean energy a cornerstone of his administration, Illinois is still the nation's fourth largest coal producer, according to the federal government. This is Jonah Chester reporting. 
According to the Union of Concerned Scientists, acidic water from mining operations can leak into surrounding rivers, streams, and other bodies of water in a process known as acid mine drainage. A survey of auditors of public companies released Wednesday finds a majority have a great concerns about the state of the economy and inflation. The Center for Audit Quality surveyed a sample of 700 partners at public audit firms. CAQ's Julie Bell-Lindsay says a major takeaway for the first-of-its-kind survey is audit partners are not confident about the economy. You've got inflation that's largely driven by post-pandemic demand, as well as public spending and then the war in Ukraine. The results also suggest that this current economic situation is probably going to remain for at least the next 12 months, if not beyond that. Finally, Erica Lattice tells us nearly 95,000 folks in Wyoming have completed some college, but have not earned a degree or credential. That's according to new data from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. Chad Auer with the Wyoming Department of Education says post-secondary education benefits individuals and the state's overall economy and can give fossil fuel industry workers real options. If they did want to make a change and maybe they want to work in a different industry, maybe they want to do something different that requires additional college work or a degree, well, we have those solutions right here in the state of Wyoming. In 2018, Governor Matt Mead signed an executive order setting a 67% post-secondary education attainment goal for working-age adults in Wyoming by 2025. Wyoming is currently facing a shortage of public school teachers and is considering putting paraprofessionals and bus drivers on a fast track to become full-time educators. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for wrapping up your week with Public News Service. Member Endless is supported on great radio stations, your favorite podcast platform, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.